Hey, 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 what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Loose Balls podcast. We are back for episode number four. I'm Cole. With me, as always, is Peyton. And Peyton, tell us what we have on tap for today. Uh, Well, today we finally get to really get into NBA, and I'm very excited. I've been mock drafting all day (laughs) because I'm just a nerd for this stuff. But, like, yeah, I'm excited. We're doing uh, some trade rumors and some free agency kind of rumors, I guess, but, and then, uh, NBA full-on lottery mock draft, um, and then we'll probably just wrap up with as much football as we can get to. We're not going to try to do too much because we're going to really dive deep into the mock draft as much as we can. Um, yeah, that's going to be the week. Perfect. Uh, I love that the NBA is back as soon as the CBA agreement, the collective bargaining agreement was finally agreed upon. All the rumors began to come out. And I think what a perfect way to start is with all the trade rumors and all the free agency and draft rumors. And I want to start with the Houston Rockets and <laughs> yeah. what is going on in Houston. Houston, we have a problem Houston here. has a problem. <laughs> so what came out yesterday or even a couple days ago is... Apparently, James Harden is a little disgruntled in Houston. Mm-hmm. P.J. Tucker is disgruntled. Austin Rivers is not happy with his minutes. And the tip the cap from yesterday, according to reports from Shams and The Athletic, Russell Westbrook wants out of Houston. And now there's a bunch of trade rumors, including the Clippers, the Hornets, mm-hmm. the Knicks. I don't know. It's... As soon as the collective bargaining agreement was done, then all these rumors began coming out. But this Houston situation is very interesting because they went all in the last few years to try and win a title. And now everything just seems to be imploding really quickly. Yeah, the, uh, the Clippers thing doesn't make any sense to me. I don't think it's real. I don't think there's any reason that that team would want to pick up Westbrook. Um, the Knicks are a team that would definitely go after somebody like Russell Westbrook, and I think the Hornets would too, based solely off the fact that Michael Jordan has Westbrook as a Jordan brand athlete, and would probably love to bring somebody in for marketing purposes, just to have that same team. He's under him, like, it, it, it would work nicely, I guess, even if, if that, nothing else for marketing, but I also think that if he was a Hornet, he could probably backpack that team to at least a playoff spot in the East. They'd probably get bounced in the first round, but yeah, Westbrook goes hard in the regular season. He could carry a team to the playoffs, even an eight seed or something. So, yeah. who knows? I It doesn't surprise me that Westbrook wants out. He's such a ball-dominant player. You know, they talked about all year how, oh, we're good childhood friends. We would love to play together, and it clearly just didn't work out, mm. so... Harden won't answer anybody in the Rockets organization. Westbrook wants out. Rivers wants more playing time. PJ Tucker's pissed. Yeah, everything's just... It's falling apart in Houston. They... Never forget two years ago, or... Yeah, two years ago, they were one game game six or game seven away and one Chris Ball hamstring away from going to the NBA Finals and... Possibly winning the NBA Finals. And how times have changed now. They go from that to now the team is literally imploding mm-hmm. minute by minute. And with for Westbrook, I never saw that that fit working in 
Houston when as no. as soon as OKC made that trade, I was I was okay with it. Like we got Chris Paul in return. We got rid of Westbrook. And he went to a team that he wanted to go to, but I knew right away that it's not gonna work. They're gonna get bounced out in the first or second round. I knew they're gonna be like a four or five seed. Mm-hmm. But Westbrook needs the ball. Harden is the most ball dominant player in the NBA by far. And yeah, you his can't, usage rate is ridiculous. Yeah, you can't have two ball dominant guys on one team, especially guys who just hunt down those triple doubles. I'm not saying that that's their number one priority, but they want they want to get their stats and they want things their own way. Well, Westbrook wants to get all the stats, and Harden just wants to score nonstop, so it's hard to. <laughs> Yeah. Make it work, I guess. They they did their best. I mean, I still don't... I'm not 100% convinced that if they weren't fully healthy, they couldn't have made some kind of run in the playoffs, just based solely off talent. But we've seen Russell Westbrook and James Harden, what they do in the playoffs, and neither of them impress ever in the playoffs. No. So, if you ask Skip Bayless, the reason they lost is because Daniel House was yeah. suspended from the bubble because he brought a lady friend yeah. into the room. But that's, Yeah, because Daniel House is so important to the Rockets. They're sixth best player. Yeah. That's why they lost well, to the Well, they basically Lakers. were running six players. Yeah. I don't know. The, the whole D'Antoni system, to me, just doesn't work. It works in the regular season. It doesn't work in the playoffs. We've seen it in Phoenix. Now we've seen it in Houston. It doesn't work. He's not a winning, a championship-winning coach. He's a winning coach in the regular season. Exactly. His threes and no D system, just, it's analytics. And analytics works in the regular season. It doesn't work when it matters most. No, you, so, you need... You need depth in the playoffs. You have the talent already. It's what you do with that talent, and it's the system that you run. And you see you have LeBron AD on one side. They're perfect match for each other because LeBron can – he's comfortable. He can take over whenever he wants with his scoring, or he can just sit back and get all his other teammates involved and let Anthony Davis either do the rebounding or do all – or get all the buckets and or even look at a team like the Celtics – Tatum is the number one guy, but they also have arguably two number twos. You one night it could be Campbell Walker, the other night it could be Jalen Brown, and all of them have their roles. They all accept their roles, and then you look at Houston, it's like you don't know. Clearly, where... nobody's accepting their role. They're all <laughs> pissed because they want more playing time or more money or more. It's just a bad culture at this point, and you know now they lost their coach, they lost their president of basketball operations, they mm-hmm. their whole team's falling apart. It might be time to scrap things in Houston. You can't even, you can't even rebuild, really, because OKC's got a bunch of their picks now. Yeah. So they're in a really hard... They're in a bad position. They're in a place where you don't want to be, potentially, and yeah. that is mediocrity. And yeah. Either you, you cannot be mediocrity in this league, or you're not going to get good enough picks if you have the picks. And it's never going to satisfy the fans, because now, at this point, it's either championship or bust yeah. with a lot of these contending teams i think you you look at that trade now that okc trade (laughs) i'd argue chris paul is a better player right now than russell westbrook is more winning player than russell westbrook and you got him and you got picks and now they're looking potentially at moving chris paul and getting more picks and more young prospects and yeah i just 
Sam Presti never ceases to amaze me with the things he does. Yeah, I think this is a good transition to the... To the Chris Paul rumors. Yeah, I've heard the Lakers' name. I heard the other day... The Clippers' name. Heard I heard Phoenix. Phoenix is interesting. And what was the other name I heard? I think it was the New York Knicks. As Another well. one I wouldn't be shocked. The Knicks just want anybody at this point. They need a star to to get that brand back. Yeah, well, they, they lost something. New York now because Brooklyn's the big brand with katie and Kyrie, so they need exactly. something exactly people it, are gonna forget about the knicks it's gonna already haven't yeah. it's gonna be a crazy week or so with rumors and strange C. the it starts i think next wednesday at midnight and then the signings can happen on friday uh the 20th so that's gonna be an extremely busy yeah, it starts week. just right after the draft i think they're yeah. allowed to start looking at yeah the players yeah, they can start talking to mm-hmm. them, and yeah, it's gonna be really fun for agency. There's so many rumors. I've heard Demar Derozan's name, and you never hear about the Spurs and trade rumors. And now all of a sudden, a potential free agent. We know yeah. Demar is kind of unhappy in San Antonio, and I've heard it sounds like San Antonio might try to go full rebuild, which what? means Popovich might kind of be on the way out because I don't think he'll want to stick around. For like a rebuild, it's kind of like a New England situation. Belichick is kind of in a rebuild slash. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what to call it. They're okay. They're an okay team, but they're not obviously at that level they were at back in the day. But no, they they're in a situation where they're probably looking at doing something new as well. Mm-hmm. But I I I've heard Demar Derozan to the Lakers, I've heard DeMar DeRozan to the Heat, I've heard Marcus Aldridge might be moved to a place like Portland, potentially, where he came from before. That's and a little Lillard-Aldridge uniting. That yeah, I, something. I've heard plenty of different rumors coming out of San Antonio, and it, it'll be interesting to see, I guess, what happens, what they do, if they just stick with it and try to run it back, but... I don't know if that works. The West is only getting stronger, and if they're mm-hmm. running the same team, it's, I don't know. Yeah, they need they need three point shooting. That's their one big weakness. Yeah, that uh, was I addressed that in my mock draft. So, <laughs> <laughs> be a perfect. This is a perfect segue into talking about the NBA draft. There's so many rumors as well about mm-hmm. teams trading up and who's going number one, and it depends. It honestly depends on. If trades even happen, I hope there's a couple trades that happen where teams are trading up or trading down. There's so many rumors about Minnesota maybe giving up that number one pick. Mm -hmm. I've heard it's another team. Atlanta might be trying to move up in the draft. The Wizards are trying to move up. I know Dallas is trying to trade their pick, which I think is 18 to... Yeah. Just for... Not for... Not to trade up, but... uh, just get a player that they can plug in right now because potentially yeah, cause they're in a situation where they want to win exactly exactly well with all those rumors i think we can get started with our mock drafts so we just have the lottery pick so up to pick number 14 yes i think what we'll do is we'll go i think three at a time for for each for each uh I guess each part. Yeah, and, that works. yeah. So I guess I'll go first. So obviously this Timberwolves are 
looking around maybe to trade that pick, but I think if they do keep that pick, and most of the picks I've made are based on the needs for the team and who I think would be a good fit in the system. So with my first pick, I have the Minnesota Timberwolves taking from Georgia, Anthony Edwards. Now he's he's six foot five, two hundred twenty five pounds. He's a big boy for a shooting guard. He's very explosive. He's a great shot creator. He can drive to the hoop, get his own get his own shot. He has the ability to step back and hit tough contested jumpers, can hit the three pointer, which I think if that three pointer becomes more consistent, then he's gonna be an all around a good ball player. Obviously another thing he needs to improve on is his playmaking ability. Sometimes he can get a little sporadic and just think put the ball in the bucket and kind of forget people are around him but I think Minnesota does need a shooting guard they do have Jared Culver who they took last year from Texas Tech I believe but Culver you can also move to the three position Mm -hmm. and all the Lamella ball rumors that he's going number one to me that doesn't make sense at all because you can't put two point guards, D'Angelo Russell and LaMelo Ball on the same team because one of them's going to need the ball more. LaMelo was a guy who will facilitate first. D'Angelo Russell is a guy who needs the ball. He's not a guy who's going to run off, run on off-ball screens and take jumpers and three-pointers. He needs to be in the pick-and-roll as the ball-dominant player. What, and I think right now the T-Wolves need a guy like Anthony Edwards who can get his own shot and can create more opportunities for a guy like Carl Anthony Towns who can also get his own bucket. So, And uh, going to number two, I have the Warriors taking, I think this is pretty obvious pick, James Wiseman out of Memphis, 7-1 center, 240 pounds. It fills the Warriors' biggest need. He automatically is a better player with guys like Curry, Clay, and Draymond around him. They're in, he'd be in such a great system. He left Memphis early to go train for the NBA draft, so he didn't get many games over there, but he's been training basically since he left to get ready for the NBA, and I think it's a perfect fit for him in Gold State, and Gold State needs a center desperately. And then with the number three pick, I have the Hornets taking who would be the best player available at that point if we're going by my mock draft, LaMelo Ball, point guard out of Australia. He's arguably the best talent in the draft, but I don't think it makes sense for the T-Wolves to take him because it's not a good fit. He'd fit much better in Charlotte. He could be the the ball-dominant player. He's an unbelievable playmaker. Great rebounder for his size. He's six foot seven. He does need to improve that jumper, but it'll improve as time goes on. I think he needs to put on a little bit of weight to be a better defender. He's got the length already to be a good defender, but he's going to get bodied by some players that are bigger than him. But as time goes, he'll pull on some more weight, and he'll become, I think, a very, maybe not an elite defender, but a very good defender. And he averaged 17 points, 7 boards, 7 assists. He does everything on the court you'll ask him to do, and I think the Horns will be a great fit for him. All right, well... I will do my top three. Um, I base my mock draft somewhat off of who I think would fit well where, but 
also off of the things I've been hearing and where it seems like players are going to go. And everything that I've heard to this point, as much as I don't understand, is that LaMelo Ball <laughs> will be the number one pick in the 2020 draft. This is crazy to me. I don't know where this came from. I, I thought he was pretty much a lock in that number three spot. Um, and I think the Hornets would be a perfect fit for him. He can just go out there and play. Like No one's going to tell him not to shoot 30 times. or He can do whatever he wants. And it would just work I think I don't it would be good marketing it would be good for him it would just it would work but it sounds like the Wolves are gonna take him number one if they don't move that pick um I don't know how it works with D'Lo they would have to find some way to make it work but they seem set on it and you know he's if he could just be a playmaker because he's not the best shooter Maybe it could work, but I think he's going to want to shoot 30 times a game. He's a ball. Yeah. he. It's what they do. You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I got LaMelo Ball going number one out of Australia, I believe, is where he was playing this year. Yep. And uh, at two, I also have James Wiseman. It's just it's the easy pick. You have, you have a starting lineup right there. You have Steph at the one, Clay at the two, Wiggins at the three. Draymond at the four, and then you slot Wiseman in at the five. He basically can play like DeAndre Jordan did in L.A., where you just throw him lobs, tell him to play perimeter or not perimeter defense, post defense, just mm-hmm. block shots in the in the paint, and he could easily slide in and be a player that they can use right now for a team that's trying to make another championship run, coming off this disaster of a season. Yeah, um, I think he just fits perfectly. I saw. Jay Billis compared him to a bigger version of Chris Bosh, which I thought was kind of interesting. I don't know if he necessarily has the inside-outside potential that Bosh had, but he does move like Bosh. He has the left-handed shot like Bosh. His, mm-hmm. shot, his shot does look like Chris Bosh's shot. He moves a lot like him, so if he could figure out how to shoot the way that Chris Bosh could later in his career, it could be an interesting comparison, and I think that if that was how it turned out on Golden State... They're set again. Oh, yeah. If they get a Chris Bosch type player, that's that's yeah. a future Hall of Famer right there. Yeah. So, and then at three, I have Anthony Edwards. These guys are the consensus top three. If he does fall to the Hornets, good for them. They got probably, in my opinion, the best player in this draft. There's concerns about whether or not he really wants to play all that hard. Whether he's gonna show up on defense every game, or if he just wants to put up stats it's it's kind of a whether or not he's a winning player I guess is the what people are trying to figure out right now he's obviously great he's a freak athlete he's probably the best athlete in the draft yes he's he can score above the rim he can score outside he has a nice jumper he takes those step backs he can work in the pick and roll he can he can kind of do everything you want offensively and if he works hard with that athleticism, he could play great defense too. It's just whether or not he wants to show up every night and do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my top three. Sweet. And I'll go from number four to number six. So with the fourth pick, this player is a sneaky player in this draft because I haven't heard, I didn't really hear much about this guy until I watched some of his highlights, and he's got a lot of potential. So I have the Bulls taken with the fourth pick, Denny Avdia from Israel. He's a small forward. 6'9", 215. He only averaged 10 points and 4 rebounds out 
in Israel, but he's been playing out there for a while. He actually led Israel to a U-20 championship, or a U-20 gold medal in the U-20s, and I think he would fit nicely with Chicago. He's a small forward, so that's an automatic need. They only have Otto Porter, I think, is the... I am not an Otto Porter fan at all. No, so... It would give him an opportunity to move that contract. Exactly. He's got good size for the position. He's a, he's a very good defender, and he's actually... He could be a sneaky good facilitator as well, and he's got the ability to score inside and outside. And I heard some comparisons to, to Luka Doncic. I don't see that comparison to Luka, but I think he's got potential to be a very good player in this in this draft he's the top prospect outside of the states and yeah he'd be a good fit for the bulls for the Cavs at number five i am them taking obi toppin power forward from dayton he is a i really like this guy this player he averaged 20 points seven rebounds shot 40 percent from three he led the NCAA in dunks, actually. He's a freak athlete. Yeah, he gets up. And for his size, he's an excellent shooter. He can hit the bend rage. He can step back and hit the three-pointer. And I think this would complement Colin Sexton. I think Kevin Porter Jr. is on that team. Yeah, he, I think that would be such Darius a... Darius Garland as well. That would be such... Andre Drummond. They actually have a few good players. They would be such a good fit. And it's weird because they have Kevin Love and you're thinking why take a power forward there but mm-hmm. Kevin Love I think has one year left on his deal and they're trying to see what they can get for him I think Obi Toffin would be very good playing behind Kevin Love he can Kevin Love can help him out and mentor him and I think he'd be a very good fit eventually maybe not right away but maybe in a couple years once he figures the game out he's gonna be a good player and then for the Hawks, at number six, I've been taking Tyrese Halliburton. He's a point guard and a shooting guard from Iowa. Mm-hmm. Six foot five, 175 pounds. He does a little bit of everything as well. He's 15-point guy, six rebounds, six assists, and he's a 42% three-point shooter. Now, his form is really awkward. He's got a very weird release. It's almost... I compare it to, like, Al Horford. It's a slow release. Uh, yeah. He goes up and... Just looks really awkward, but it works for him. Yeah, he can knock it down. He he doesn't need much space to hit a, to hit a shot, and it gives them backup help for Trey Young because really they don't have a true backup for him right now, and I think it meets a need right away where he can come in and play a, play some minutes. They already have a Clint Capella at center. They have a John Collins at the power forward. They have a DeAndre Hunter uh, at the two, and I think this would be a good fit because he can handle the ball. He can run the pick and roll, and yeah, I think, like I said, that's the best fit, I think, for him in this draft. He would fit good on like a team like Detroit mm-hmm. as well, but I think if he's there at number six, I think Atlanta would take him in a heartbeat. All right, well... Um, at four, I also have Danny Abdia. Abdia, um, he's he's he is a bit of a sneaky player, just because this has been a bit of an odd year. You don't really know what you're getting too much out of this draft. There wasn't as much buzz because we didn't get that. There's always that one March Madness player that just shoots up the draft like mm-hmm. a buddy healed, and 
we didn't get that this year, so we've been removed from college basketball for a very long time, removed from all this draft stuff from a very long time, but a lot of people seem to think that the Bulls are taking Denny Avdia because he's... He, yes, he's getting comparisons to Luka, but it sounds like he's just what people think is, at this point, the best option. He's young, he is playing against men already yeah. overseas. It sounds like he's a point forward, similar to Luka, but it sounds like he's less of a scorer, which, I mean, who's a scorer at the level of Luka anyways? Yeah. Not many, but... Where Luca lacks in defense, it sounds like this kid makes up for it. It sounds like he's a very solid defender out on the wing, and he's got the size to be a good defender. Yeah, and he's long. Nine. He's six yep. nine. He can move. It's, it looks like from everything I've seen that he works very well in transition. He can handle the ball on a fast break, and that's something you need for a team like the Bulls. They have these quick players like Zach Levine. Laurie Markkinen's a big that can move. You know, Wendell Carter can get out in transition. Like, they're a young team. Kobe White, too. Kobe White. Like, he fits... He slots right in there if you need a four. You have Kobe White at the one, Zach Levine at the two, Markkinen at the four, and Wendell Carter at the five. You just slot him in at the three. Mm -hmm. Where Otto Porter, I don't... I just... I'm not a fan of Otto Porter. I think that this is... I think that he would probably sit behind Otto Porter for a year or so, but... If you can get this guy when Otto Porter's on this ridiculous max deal, I think he's still on that max deal. Yeah, 25 so, mil. You move on from Porter and you get a player like this, I think that it could be very interesting. I, I like that pick for the Bulls a lot. Yeah, I do too. Um, at five, I also have the Cavs taking Obi Toppin. Um, he's the best player, NBA-ready player, in the entire draft. He's already 22. He's... He was the best player in college by a wide margin. Just the fact that he's 22, he's not quite the prospect of some of these other guys. But if you ask me who's winning Rookie of the Year next year, if he's on the Cavs, I'd probably say it's going to be Obi Toppin. He's going to put up ridiculous numbers for that team. If he gets the chance to play, yes. If they play him, which they should. Um, he's just... He's a freak offensively. He can do everything. He can shoot. He gets above the rim. He can play in the post. He can play outside. The fact that he can play the four or the five, he can be a dominant post four, or he can be an a stretch five, and mm-hmm. wherever you play him, he's gonna do well offensively. It's just it sounds like his defense might be a little bit where he's lacking, but if they can figure that out, he could be a great player in the NBA. Yeah, and at six, might be a little weird. I have the Hawks taking. Onyeka Okongwu, the center from USC. Okay. I think they have all of these good players who are young in their backcourt right now. They've got Cam Reddish, Trey Young, Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter. They've got John Collins at the four. They have all of these players. And then Clint Capella, to me, is kind of not... Doesn't really fit that whole, like, young team... And I think if you get a guy like Okongwu who just, he's very similar to Clint Capella, but he's young. You get him at a premium right now, you can move Clint Capella and you can keep building around these young players and they have a really solid young lineup. I just, I think the fit is perfect if they can't find a way to move up and get somebody better. I really think that he could work well in that system 
in Atlanta. I just I don't see them taking a point guard. They already have Trey Young. A lot of people are saying, oh, they're gonna try to make Trey Young more off ball, and I just I don't see Trey Young wanting to do that. I don't know how you do that in terms of defense because Trey Young can't guard guys his own size, let alone guys bigger than him. So I just I think that it's the best to just take a solid center prospect who has shot up the boards this year. He's been he was excellent at USC this year. And he's a little raw offensively. They'd have to work on that, but defensively he's a pillar. He, he'll be he's, great down low. He's a very good defender for sure. Okay, so I'll do 7 through 9. So for Detroit, he can honestly take anyone. Detroit needs every single everything, everything at this point. <laughs> even nice. even a power forward because Blake Griffin, you don't know if he's going to be healthy or not. But with this pick, I have the Pistons taking Killian Hayes, point guard out of France. He's a big boy, six foot five, 192. He averaged 13 points and 6 assists on almost 40% shooting from 3. Mm-hmm. He's a very crafty player. He, he's a very he's good a passer. He's got that floater with. He's a, he's a lefty, but he can hit the floater with either hand. And like I said, Pistons they need, they need a, help. a legit point guard who can help them right away. And I think Killian Hayes could step in and be a very good asset because they do have Derrick Rose, but after that they don't have a point guard. It's Brandon Knight. I think's the next yeah. guy. In the and it sounds shirt. like they might be trying to move Derrick Rose. So. That wouldn't be surprising. So, so who knows? I think if he's there, because I've seen, I've seen draft boards where he's as high as number two. Yeah, there's he's kind of a question mark. I've seen some people say he. I've seen people say he should be the number one pick. There are some people that are that high on him, and then some people who say he shouldn't even be a lottery pick. Well, if you're getting what people say he's a top two, three player in this draft, and you're getting him at number seven. And he is, and he becomes what people think he can be. Then you're getting a nice steal there. And then for the New York Knicks, it's an interesting situation they're in because they're supposed to obviously have a top five pick or top two pick, and and they fell. <laughs> and the lottery gods tell them no once again. Two years in a row. Yep. But I had them taking Isaac Okoro at number eight, small forward from Auburn. He's a very good defender. They've got a lot of question marks at the three position. They they drafted Kevin Knox a couple years ago over Michael Porter Jr., which to this day I will I laughed at that pick because Kevin Knox is only going to give you so much. And first two years you haven't seen much. My long lost cousin. <laughs> Your long lost cousin. Yeah, uh, they have a lot of players in the backcourt already, like Frank Nilakita, Alfred Payne. It's a weird combination, and then you have R.J. Barrett, but he is a questionable shooter, Isaac Okoro is, but he's only 19 years old, so he's got so he's much he time. He shot up the draft he's, boards yeah, this year. He's got a lot of time to improve his game. Give him a couple years, I think he'll be a very good 3 and D player. I think that's what his potential could mm-hmm. be. Almost like an OG Ananobi kind of player. Like a good 3-point shooter, and a no lockdown defender, but a very good defender. And then the Wizards at number nine. If he somehow falls this far, I'm gonna I have them taking Onika Okongwu from USC. He's the best defensive player in this draft mm-hmm. by far. He's got a seven foot one wingspan, incredible blocking ability, and they they've got some question marks down in the front court, like. 
Bo Wagner. Eh. Thomas Bryant. Eh. <laughs> Ryu Hachimura. He's a he'd be a good four. I like Ryu Hachimura. I think he those two would be a very good fit, and if because Hachimura is not the guy who's going to block shots, so if you add a player like Okongwu in that lineup, I think he's going to play right away. He's a sixty percent field goal shooter. Like he can, he can uh, step back and take a mid range shot once in a while. Mm-hmm. He's decent in the post. And when I was watching highlights of him, he reminded me a lot of Bam Adebayo. And looking at all the comparisons, it was Bam Adebayo. I, yeah. I think. Is he a? I don't think he's as polished a shooter as Bam. No, but. He's, I can see that comparison. Yeah, he's it, also bigger than Bam. Yeah, though. he is. He is. Um, he's not as good of a passer as Bam. Obviously, Bam's one of the. He's a top two, three passer for a big man in the league. Yeah, but I put him right behind Jokic. Yeah, Jokic obviously is the best. But if he, I don't know if he's gonna fall this far down. I've heard rumors that Boston's trying to trade up and take him because they need a big man, a big, yeah, desperately. And I don't think there's a big man free agency that. Suits their needs right now. Mm-hmm. If they want a big man, they need to trade for a guy I've mentioned, like a Miles Turner. And past, yeah, past him and Obi Toppin, there's not really any great big men. No, so in this draft. Yeah, if he somehow falls down to Washington, I think that's a that's a steal. But I wouldn't be shocked if. Well, I've seen him as low as Washington, but I've also seen him as high as like the fourth pick. Yeah, I've so. seen him. I've seen the Cavs. It would make sense if the Cavs even took him yeah. as well because they do need a center with. Them. Because they probably won't be able to keep drumming because he's gonna want yeah. a ton of money. But yeah, that's my seven, eight, nine picks. That's fair. So for my seven, I have Tyrese Halliburton. I think at this point in the draft, if he's there, which he could easily be here, mm-hmm. uh, he's got to be the pick for the Pistons. He's he's just a very solid, mistake-free kind of player. Um, he. I heard, I think analytically they said he's the number one player in this draft. He's very efficient. He uh, he doesn't make many mistakes. His shot's a little broken, but he still scores. He He's just a very solid player, and the Pistons just need all the help they can get. And yeah. I think he would fit really well there. Put a couple shooters around him, you know, get him in the pick and roll with Blake Griffin. It, it could work well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. At eight, I have the Knicks taking Patrick Williams, who's another guy who mm. shot up the draft boards see, this year. This guy's this guy's interesting because I've seen him so high up in the draft, but then I see him so yeah. far down. And to me, he just seems like a Knicks pick. <laughs> He's a bit <laughs> raw, you know, but he, he has a high ceiling, and I think that's what the Knicks are looking for is somebody that they think he could be really good in the future, and Patrick Williams has this, like, raw potential uh, I saw him actually compared to OG Ananobi a bit in the sense of like he can get to the bucket and score, he can hit shots, he plays hard defense. He's just he's a bit of a question mark because he wasn't supposed to be too high in the draft, and then he kind of just performed at Florida State and opened a lot of eyes, and he could drop a lot lower in this draft. He could be as high as this pick. I've seen him as high as the seventh pick. I've seen him out of the lottery it's he's kind of a question mark so it's going to be interesting to see but i think that i i do think he could help the knicks he is a three that's exactly what they need they need a three yep. so we'll see what happens uh at nine i have the wizards taking isaac okoro i think that 
he would just fit really well into what they're doing. He's the best player available to me at this point that isn't a point guard, which they don't need. It sounds like John Wall's coming back healthy and strong, and they want to make a push. They they think that they can get to the Eastern Conference Finals and deeper. Um, I don't know if they can, but they're going to want to pick the best player in the draft if that's what their plan is. And if Okoro's available, even if he's coming off the bench for this team, he can be a very solid scorer slash defender off the bench and not have too much pressure on him, which I think would be good for a guy who's also a little bit raw, a little bit interesting, mm-hmm. um, and they can maybe try to build him up into a better player like the Raptors did with Ananobi. Just give him a chance. Don't overuse him and look at how good Ananobi has been this past year. Yeah. He's getting better and better. If they can do something similar, I think he could fit really well with the Wizards. For sure. For sure. And wrapping up my top 10, the Phoenix Suns. This might be a surprising pick because he could go, again, another player can go high or can just drop right out of the lottery. Yeah. Kira Lewis Jr., point guard out of Alabama. He can score the ball. And I think Phoenix, their biggest need right now, I think, is a is some depth. Because I think they're in need of a backup point guard or a point guard of the future. Because I don't see Ricky Rubio being that point guard of the future. But I think Kira Lewis Jr. could fit in right away and make a decent impact. He's very quick and crafty player. Size could be an issue on defense. He's only 165 pounds. He's only 19 years old, but he's an 18.4 rebound, 5 assist guy. Shoots a high volume of jumpers, 36% three-point shooter. He's the fastest player in the draft by far. And I think, again, he's a player he can... He could be as high as, like, eight. Yeah, he's or... interesting. I've seen him in the lottery, and then I've also seen him as low as, like, a 24th pick. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a lot of... He seems to be a question mark for a lot of people. They don't really know. I, I like Kira Lewis, though. He's he's a guy that's got a lot of speed, and I think he's got a ton of potential if he can figure out just how to balance the scoring, and I think he could be a very good playmaker mm-hmm. in this league. At number 11, I have the Spurs taking Patrick Williams. You've already talked about him i in my notes i have him he's still very raw but a lot of potential spurs in need of a three and d player they have a rudy gay but he's kind of a stretch four almost they kind of play that small lineup with the aldridge at the five sometimes um not much really else to say but it just seems like a spurs pick pick a guy who you don't expect like mm-hmm. like a tony parker or ginobili just out of nowhere, like, who's this guy? And then yeah. they turn into very good players. So I think I could really see the Spurs making this pick. And then at number 12, it's kind of thin at this point because the Canes, like, they've got a lot of talent, young talent, but... Yeah, there's I no... think the Kings are in a position where you just kind of take the best yeah. player on the board. Like, almost. I had them taking Devin Vassell from FSU as well. Mm-hmm. A good three-point shooter, another 3-and-D type of player. He needs to expand that offensive game a little more if he wants to be more effective, but Sacramento needs defensive help right now. They do have guys like Bogdanovich and Barnes, but I wouldn't consider Bogdanovich a good defender. And I've heard his name in trade rumors. I've heard Harrison Barnes' name in trade rumors, so it makes you think maybe they're going to 
try and draft a small forward if it's Vassal, great. If it's a guy like Sadiq Bay, great. Yeah. Or even Patrick Williams if he falls down to him, great. But at that point, I think Devin Vassal is he's he's one of the better three and D players in this draft, and I think. Kings can use a 3 and D player right now because they have Fox, Heald, Bagley. They have all this young talent. And yeah. I think they need they need some more they need some more depth at that three position, in my opinion. No, I agree. Uh so for me, I guess, uh round of top ten, I have the Suns taking Killian Hayes. He is very much a question mark, but the, if the Suns have this pick and they don't trade for Chris Paul, I can't see them not taking a point guard at this point, especially if a guy like Killian Hayes is here. He's He's got a lot of potential. He's a big question mark. Like I said, I've heard people say he should be the top pick in this draft. And then some people who say he's the he's not even a lottery pick. So he's interesting. But if you can pair him with Somebody like Devin Booker with Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, and he can learn behind Ricky Rubio, who's a very solid vet. He had arguably his best season this year with the Suns. Uh, he's fit in very well with them, but it doesn't mean you don't need to take somebody like Killian Hayes. He could be the point guard of the future for this team for sure, and I just can't see them not when he's such a talented playmaker. It can give Devin Booker this chance to just be off the ball a lot more than he is right now (laughs) so i think it's a good pick um as we said earlier the spurs need help with shooting they're terrible terrible at shooting and in the shooters league it's something you need so i have them taking a guy who i don't know a whole lot about but he is the best shooter in this draft Mm -hmm. and that is aaron nesmith from Mm -hmm. vanderbilt He got hurt this year in Vanderbilt. He only played 14 games, but in those 14 games, he took, I believe, over 100 three-point shots and made 52% of them. He's knocked down lights out. His comparison is similar to a Buddy Heald, where he'll just shoot the lights out. And I think to get something like that for the Spurs, where they don't have any shooting outside of Marco Bellinelli, who doesn't really play much anymore, you slot this kid in, he works hard, He plays defense. He might not be the greatest defender, but he works hard on the defensive end, and he can shoot the lights out, and it's exactly what the Spurs need. Um, I think that he's perfect for them, and I wouldn't put it past them to make this pick. At 12, I have the exact same thing. I have the Kings taking Devin Vassell. I think that he's very good coming out of Florida State. He's interesting. He's... I think at this point, he's just the best player available. And that's exactly what the Kings need, is just somebody who can come in and potentially score, whether it's starting or off the bench, whatever you want to do with him. Just he can score, he can play D. His jump shot, I've heard, is not great right now. He might be working on his mechanics. He might be a little bit of a broken jumper. But I wouldn't put too much stock into that. I think he's... A great pick here for the Kings at 12 who just need help to try to get a little bit closer to that next level. Mm-hmm. Just the best player they can find. Yeah, He is a 41% three-point shooter, so 
it's not too shabby. If you mm-hmm. have a guy who shoots forty percent in the NBA, that's a luxury. Yeah, I'm pretty sure in both his years at Florida State, he shot forty percent. Hmm. So if my final two picks for the Pelicans at thirteen, I have them taking Sadiq Bay from Villanova, and I love Villanova players. I mm-hmm. love. Oh, what's his name? Eric Pascal, Jalen Brunson, Mikal Bridges. Who's their other big man? I can't... What's his name from a couple years ago? Uh, Omari Spellman. Omari Spellman, yes. Even Kyle Lowry's a Villanova guy. (laughs) Villanova player... Villanova just seems to bring out these really good players. Like, they get the best out of these players, and... Sadiq Dante DiVincenzo. Dante DiVincenzo, <laughs> Final Four MVP. Sadiq Bay, oh, he'd be such a good fit for the Pelicans. This mm-hmm. high tempo offense who shoots the lights out from the three point line. Like he's perfect for this offense. Just free firing. He's a forty five percent three point shooter. Average sixteen points at Villanova. He's six foot eight, so we and he's played a bit in the post as well in Villanova because he was really one of the number one, mm-hmm. the number one there, and he'd be such a good fit in my opinion. And I wouldn't be shocked if he slid a bit, but I think just thinking about fit, he fits so good with the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. And then to wrap up my lottery picks, number fourteen, Boston, Precious Achua from Memphis. Six foot nine, two hundred twenty-five pound center slash power forward, average sixteen and eleven. He shoots just over thirty percent from the three-point line, which isn't terrible by any means. But Boston needs a big man. Obviously, we talked about the rumors them trying to trade up to get Okongu. They have Boston has three first-round picks in this draft, so they could easily package all these and Boston try. Always has three first-round. Yeah, picks. they. Danny Ainge loves his draft picks. He holds yeah. them on like babies and never trades them. Just drafts a bunch of good talent. But it, this pick makes the most sense because he's the next best big man available. He's got a seven foot two wingspan. He's got a lot of potential offensively. I mean, yeah, he's got size. He can expand his range a little bit, and that's what Boston needs desperately. Mm-hmm. And that is my picks for. The 2020 NBA draft. Yeah, well, wrapping mine up uh, at the 13th pick, I have the Pelicans taking someone who kind of fell down the draft boards this year, but I think could be a really good fit with them in Cole Anthony. Okay. From UNC. Okay. I think that they need a backup point guard who can score. Lamelo's not a scorer, so to have somebody come off the bench who can score and facilitate i think he would work really well on the pick and roll of zion i i just think that he doesn't need to be anything crazy for them and i still think he can be as good as people thought he was going to be so i think that if the pelicans can get him as low as 13 even though people have him even lower than this i I just i I see him as such a a talent and i think that if the pelicans get him here they're going to be in in a great position. Mm-hmm. I was going to mention at the end when we were done these that Cole Anthony was one guy to watch out for because he had such a high draft stock at the beginning of mm-hmm. the year and then it just slowly fo- teared away, teetered away because North Carolina had such a down year. Yeah. It was just a rare year in North Carolina. They couldn't get any breaks and Cole Anthony was the number one guy there and like 
I don't know what, what happened there exactly because obviously we couldn't really watch much college ball with COVID. But yeah. he's one guy who, again, another guy who wouldn't be shocked if he goes up somewhere like late lottery, but I wouldn't be yeah. shocked if he like slid down in the mid-20s. Yeah, and ends up on a really good team. <laughs> exactly, which would be like a Milwaukee. I've seen him maybe only a Milwaukee, which yeah. would, I think would be a pretty good fit. Well, for me, I just I think if he doesn't go to the Pelicans, I could easily see Danny Ainge being like, ooh, guy that fell down the draft, and just yeah. snagging him as the backup point guard. Yeah. And that's exactly what I actually have for the 14th pick with the Celtics, a point guard who fell down the draft this year uh, with RJ Hampton. This is a guy who could have been, along with Cole Anthony, they both could have been top five picks, if you ask people coming into this year. And they both fell potentially all the way out of the lottery. And it sounds like with RJ Hampton, it, people seem to think that he just he went to New Zealand and he didn't play very well. And it was just a tough year. And, you know, we don't know if he's going to perform in the NBA. But it sounds like the problem is he's a point guard. And he went to the New Zealand Breakers, I believe, is the team. And they used him as a shooting guard. And he just didn't fit. He wasn't comfortable. Right. And it sounds like when they did put the ball in his hands and they did give him those point guard opportunities that he flourished and he played really well. For a team like Boston, who I could see taking someone like Precious Achiwa because they need a big man, but Danny Ainge just loves to take those guys that fall down the draft that no Mm -hmm. one's thinking about, like a Robert Williams who he took, who fell all the way into the late 20s, and, and then they just turn into better players than you were expecting. And if you get a guy like R.J. Hampton, who they need a backup point guard. Their backup point guard last year was Brad Wanamaker. True. They need somebody to come off the bench and give Kemba that break. And R.J. Hampton could be that guy. He can fit easily into this system, and they wouldn't. He wouldn't be stressed to score. He would just need to do what they do, which is play good defense, fit in the system, and I think he could be really, really good for this team. For sure. Other guys that I'd say to look out for are guys like Sadiq Bey, Precious Achiwa, Kyra Lewis Jr. Um, yeah, those guys could all be right in the same group yeah. with these. Like, it seems about 13 to 20, there's this group of like seven or eight guys that are all kind of looked at in the same tier of prospect, but it could kind of go anywhere. For sure. Um, but yeah, that's that's my, my last two picks. I just think those guys are too talented to keep falling so i had to put them in there for sure shout out to my buddy cedo one guy i want to watch out for from his team at duke trey jones Mm -hmm. he's not he's an okay shooter he's a decent facilitator he's a very very good defender he gets steals like crazy and i want to see who takes him because if he gets onto a a contending team I think he could be a very good mm-hmm. deaf player and put him in just for his defense and just ball handling because he doesn't turn the ball over much and he can run the pick and roll. He's not gonna light you up to say to say, but I like his defending and mm-hmm. he's like typical Coach K kind of player. Like who's the point guard on Minnesota? They had oh I can't remember his name. He, he's always good in the pick and roll. He doesn't turn the ball over much. If I knew his name, I would... Tyus Jones? Tyus Jones. His older brother. <laughs> yeah. He's such a good player. 
Yeah. I think he's very underrated and I've uh, I've seen him which would be a good fit. I've seen him in a lot of drafts going 20 to the Heat, where they're probably losing Goran Dragic this year, so they're going to need another point guard. And if you draft a guy like Trey Jones, I think he fits well into that like gritty, hardworking oh, Pat sure. Riley culture. Oh, for sure. So I think that look out for him at 20 with the Heat. I think they would love to take a player like him. Absolutely. Or even like a Toronto like a great he could fall all the way down to Toronto, 29 to all somehow down to 28 or 29 that'd be that'd be really nice mm-hmm. but yeah though that's our mock drafts we'll see next week we will obviously recap next week how the draft went compare our picks to what yeah. teams did i would assume there's going to be trades happening where teams are moving up or moving down and then next week as well as we re as we uh dwindle down with our nba talk we're going to do top 10 free agent predictions so mm-hmm. it's not a deep draft class this year it's a bunch of it's a bunch of like good players not the league talented players like we're gonna see next year but we're gonna make our predictions as to where we think or they'd go or where we want to see them go or mm-hmm. what makes sense for them yeah. but yeah that's our nba talk for the week got that done in decent time i think yeah, there's not too much to talk about with football, so... Mm. No, we're going to recap just a few games with about four or five that yeah. caught our eye. I'm not going to talk about the Patriots game. They got, <laughs> they got the win. That's all that matters. Huge, huge W. They needed... A great, hey, great... Hey, they <laughs> needed Jets that team. win. Cam looked good, man. Mm-hmm. Cam looked really good. But the one game I want to start off with... You know who else looked good? Joe Flacco. <laughs> oh, it's New England. There's, there's five... Teams or players I never want to lose to. It's New York Giants, New York Jets, Peyton Manning, Joe Flacco, and the Dallas Cowboys. Anyone yeah. else, I don't care if we lose to That's them. That's fair. So, but yeah, for the few games, we'll obviously pick a few. But the fun game I want to talk about first is that Sunday nighter. Holy fuck. Yeah. Your prediction of... A statement win. For I the, was wrong for the Buccaneers. I said I'll wait and see what Michael <laughs> Thomas, if Michael Thomas and the boys are back. Yeah, I never really, I couldn't really say who's gonna win that game. But good lord, I, uh, I missed the first like part of this game. I missed Thank most God. of the first half, Thank and I God turned it did. on, and I saw thirty-one nothing, and I thought that my eyes were like wonky. I, I thought I was seeing it wrong, but no, it was thirty-one to nothing. I don't know how <laughs> this happened. Would you like to know how it happened? Like uh, Brady, well, they decided we're not going to run the ball. We're just going to throw deep passes and see how it goes. And then they ran the ball four times, five. five. Well, five, but one was a kneel down. That's the least runs carries in a football game ever. Yeah. Eight rushing With yards. With two great running backs, by the way. What are, what are you doing? It's like they came into this game and they did not have a game plan. They just said, you guys, go figure it out yourselves. <laughs> yeah. What Payne was thinking would be a statement win for the Bucks. trying to get payback is now just a... That was... But if I would have guessed that the Bucks were going to go completely away from what they've been doing and just throw deep balls and pray that they were going to work, I, I never would have guessed that the Bucks would win this game. And when you're only throwing deep balls and you're not throwing to Mike Evans... I just, I don't understand <laughs> No, the Saint, what happened. The Saints had 12 players with receptions, so just putting in Michael Thomas and Sanders in that lineup, 
it does so much for it them. It opens up. Taysom Hill looked like a god out there. He was mm-hmm. taking hits like crazy, but he was just finding ways to get yards. New Orleans had the ball for 40 minutes. Breeze is now the all-time passing touchdown leader. Brady decided just to throw some wild passes. I don't know what. I don't know what happened. But now you get an angry Tom Brady against the Carolina Panthers this week. So I'm so excited. <laughs> Our defense is good, guys. We don't even talk about Antonio Brown. No, that's a mess. That was. They were forcing him the ball, and I just. I, he needs to be a complimentary piece. He's the third best receiver on that team right now. Yeah, it was. That yeah. was not a. Good... I, I don't think that was the right pickup for the Bucks at all. But I guess. No. GM Tom made that decision, so. Yep. GM Tom. <laughs> and I guess the other game we can talk about is the Steelers barely, barely beating the Cowboys. It was almost like yeah. It was almost like deja vu from last week. They get down early. They don't get going until really the second half or fourth quarter, really, and it yeah. comes down to a final throw from the thirty-yard line, which was broken up by Fitzpatrick. Just seems like it was Groundhog's mm-hmm. Day all over again, but. Steelers were lucky to win this game. They got a couple breaks. They got they got a holding call. I or was an un, wasn't it was a illegal contact call when Ben Roethlisberger was strip sacked and Dallas yeah. recovered a fumble. There's a holding call or something or roughing the passer on a third and ten that was incomplete and it was. And then you lose Big Ben at the yeah. end of the first half. You you knew he was going to come back though. You just didn't know how he'd look, but. Pittsburgh did the same stuff in the second half. They just did went five wide, threw the ball, mm-hmm. and they found a way to make plays and win the ball game. But it was interesting because I feel like if you look at, if you were to just tell me Big Ben's stat line, which he had his best game of the year, and then tell me that they were playing the Cowboys, I would have thought they won that game by thirty, but they barely won. Mm-hmm. It, it was. Weird. It was weird to watch. I don't understand how it ended up being that close. I think they just were like, oh, it's the Cowboys, we're going to beat them by 30, and they just ignored everything else that was going on. Yeah, and the defense made some big plays. That Fitzpatrick interception was yeah. massive because that was a third and goal and no points on the board for Dallas, which the game was hitting by a threat at that point. And yeah. if Dallas would have even got a field goal, there's a lot of pressure at that point on yeah. the Steelers. Any other games you want to point out or that you noticed? Uh, the Buffalo-Seattle game. Mm-hmm. Buffalo won 44-34 over Seattle. Um, That's, good for Buffalo. That was the statement when we were, I think we were yeah. all waiting for for Buffalo. They they really proved something. I still, <laughs> I still don't know with Buffalo because Seattle's defense is so bad. And it seems like Russell Wilson's just exhausted already halfway through the season because he's just been doing so much. They need their running backs yeah. healthy right away because they and cannot. Buffalo keep doing just this. made a point of we're gonna we see that this team has zero pass defense and we're just gonna throw the ball deep, and they couldn't stop them. That's all they did. They threw the ball like I think it had to have been eighty percent of the time yeah. that game. They came out and they're just like, hey, we're we know we we don't have a great running yeah. game, but we'll just throw the ball because we know you guys suck at defending well, said, the pass. We know you don't have a pass rush, and you, we know you can't defend the pass, so we're just going to sit in the pocket, let the play develop, 
and just beat you deep every single time. And it's exactly what they did. There was no answer to it. What made no sense to me is that in the second half, I watched a bunch of this game. They're playing Jamal Adams like he was a linebacker. Yeah. Instead of a safety. And when you take Jamal Adams and make him a pass rusher more so, then you're taking your best player in the secondary out, out of the secondary. <laughs> and you're already missing Diggs, who's yeah banged up. And you're, you're just asking for so much trouble and... For a struggling Josh Allen to come in and absolutely explode against this Seahawks defense, that's big for him, especially his grandma passed away the night before and he comes out with a 400-yard game, five mm-hmm. total touchdowns. Like, Good for him. That was yeah. incredible. Wilson, obviously, he didn't have his best game, four turnovers, but they were at a point early in the game where they had to throw every single time because they fell behind so fast. Yeah, it was a it was a game I wasn't expecting to go that way, but good for Buffalo. They're seven and two now. Mm-hmm. They they should have full control of the AFC East, but I guess it's a perfect segue to the, the game Miami, of the year potentially. Miami Dolphins. They they go into Arizona and Tua played incredible. <laughs> this was the Tua that we all saw at Alabama before that, he got hurt. Yeah. The two of the people were saying could be the next greatest player, you know? He was getting out of pressure like no one's business. He was looking like Kyler Murray out there at times. Yeah. Getting out of pressure and just finding find those finding little cre- the holes those creases and his just he throws a ball and it's just right into the hands of the receiver every time. Mm-hmm. It's, was, he's incredible. Him and Kyler watching him and Kyler was just a treat in this game. It, it was just it was so exciting. They're both so talented. Yeah. I would I would love to watch those teams play three times a year. It I sucks know. that you only probably get to see this once every four years. Yeah. Unless they meet in the Super Bowl, but Yeah. I, I'm just glad that we got to witness that this week. From what what I took from this game, it's not only Dolphins got a clutch victory, obviously. They shut down Hopkins pretty good. Three catches, thirty yards. Uh, Arizona misses a 49-yard field goal at the end of the game to yeah. tie it up. But what I took from this game is our fu- the future of the NFL with quarterbacks is in really good hands. You've got so much young talent. You have Allen, Mahomes, Kyler, Tua, Lamar Burrow, Jackson, Herbert. Burrow, Herbert. Like it, Dan- Next year we're going to have Trevor Lawrence. We're going to have Justin yeah. Fields. There's other Trey Lance. <laughs> like got- There's all these guys coming out. Deshaun, no wonder no Sean Watson. Yeah, but it's like, no wonder there's no leeway with these quarterbacks anymore. If you don't perform, we'll just find somebody else. There's so exactly. many young quarterbacks for coming sure. up. For sure. And I think the only other game I know you wanted to touch on was the Ravens defeating the Colts 24-10. Yeah. yeah. The uh, Good for Lamar. I believe that's the first time that in his career they've been down at halftime and won the game. They dominated that Which second half. Also, heard a stat today against teams that are not the Chiefs. Lamar Jackson is twenty-five and two in his career. <laughs> yeah, he. So yeah, I mean they're just they're a good team. They just can't beat the Chiefs. Which who can? Unless you're the Raiders, apparently. You need a perfect game plan. You need to force turnovers and against that team. The only other thing I have to say about that is the Colts, who are currently losing ten to three right now. Philip Rivers, like I've said, he was the reason that they were up in the first half, and then he was the reason that they lost in the second half. 
he is just not the right fit for that team. They're a quarterback away, and I will keep saying it. It's why I wanted to talk about this game. I even mentioned it last week. You, you don't know what rivers you're going to get on a yeah. week-by-week basis. You'll or get, half to half, apparently. You'll get the Rivers who throws three touchdowns, or you get the Rivers who trips under his own feet trying to make a tackle and mm-hmm. falls straight in his ass. Yeah, throws a pick and then tries to tackle the guy and falls over like Daniel Jones. Yeah, tough look. Very tough look. But that was a good win for the Ravens when they were down. It's a huge win for it, the Ravens. They didn't really get much going, and then they made, they took advantage of those bad turnovers by the by the Colts when they really had the game under control in that first half, and then Baltimore just took over in that game. Any other games you wanted to talk about? or That was pretty much it. Yeah, that's really it for me. Like, I don't really want to talk about the football team or Giants. No. Chargers lose another heartbreaker. That's nothing new. <laughs> yeah. That's nothing new at all. Poor Chargers. They can't catch a break. No. Titans, Bears. Bears look like shit on offense. Foles is trash. That's all, that's all you need to know. Vikings, Lions, Dalvin Cook. 200 plus yard rushing game he's yeah he's <laughs> the, the, doing what dalvin cook's doing he's doing what he's doing the chiefs panthers that was a that was a competitive game yeah that was fun to watch the panthers are a really hard-working team they fight till the end it, it just sucks that they fought just, so hard and then at the end then after the game you're like oh mccaffrey's injured again it's tough when you have six rookies starting on the defense like it's it's we're gonna be good in the future. I'm very confident in that. It's just this isn't gonna be our year, and that's just how it is. So yeah, and the only other games that happen: Texans, Jags. Who cares? Texans won. Good Jags are tanking Texans. for Trevor. Falcons try to blow it again, <laughs> but Denver couldn't come make a comeback. It was too late, and then the Packers did what they had to do on Thursday yeah. night. They destroyed. Them. I mean, the 49ers are. They're done now. Rodgers came in. He remembered those two losses last year, and he said, "Yeah, I'm giving you guys a fucking beating mm-hmm. this weekend. Now we just need to see if the 49ers move off Garoppolo, which it sounds like they might. Yep. And yeah, that's really about it for week nine. Yeah. This upcoming week for the NFL, there isn't There's many... a lot of bad games. Like, the only good game is the one we're watching right now. It's the Colts and the Titans. Yeah, like... I can even look on my The only other game that I that caught my eye at all was the Seahawks and the Rams, just because I, I want to see if the Seahawks can bounce back in a divisional game. But mm-hmm. that was, like, normally I wouldn't look too closely at that game, um, but there was nothing else that I really even saw this week. It's just bad teams playing bad teams or good teams playing bad teams. Yeah, Ravens-Patriots is the only other game that popped out to mm-hmm. me, but... I think the Ravens are going to stomp them. They should. Have you seen the Patriots injury report? They have yeah. 20 players that are either limited or not practicing. Like It's insane right now. And Good for New England finding a way to win because I did not think they were going to beat the Jets, to be completely honest with you, even though it is it the Jets. Close. It was Joe Flacco. I knew it was going to be close. I didn't think it was going to come down to Nick Folk, who miraculously, I don't trust him past 45 yards, and... <laughs> He nails a 51-yarder yeah. to 
Well, apparently the, the Panthers trust Joey Slider try to kick a 67-yarder when he can't hit a 50-yarder, and he kicked it about 30 yards wide right. To be fair, the wind was howling <laughs> at that point, and I would rather a guy with a strong leg kick a field goal rather than throw a Hail Mary. That's true. And Joey Sly has an absolute boot on him, but he can't aim that thing to save his life. He almost had a 65-yarder the week before. He mm-hmm. came like a couple inches short, so... But yeah, that's really about it for this week's podcast. Like we yeah. said, next week we will recap the NBA draft. We will yeah. predict our free agent destinations for the top 10 free agents. And we will do kind of a similar recap to week 10 of the NFL. Yeah. We may have power rankings. If we did them this week, they would have been all over the place because there were yeah. so many upsets last week and weird yeah. games and yeah yeah the saints coming out of nowhere and now everyone's talking about them as a contender and mm-hmm. everyone's questioning tampa bay and the brown signing it's it was a weird week and this could be a really weird week too if there's a ton of upsets and the colts looks like they have tied the game against the titans i have actually picked the colts to win this game I wouldn't be surprised. I trust them. They need this win to move into a tie with the Titans or mm-hmm. technically have the tiebreaker on the Titans. They need they need any game at this point. I heard today they had a they had the easiest schedule so far up to this point. And hmm. they're only five and three and I saw some stats that their defense was or not their defense, excuse me, their offense was statistically better last year at this point mm-hmm. with Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> And they had the exact same record with a tougher schedule last yeah. year. So we know the Colts are a good team. It's just a matter of can they get can they get the job done with Phillip Rivers? And you you know that defense is going to show up, but which yeah. Rivers are you going to get? But yeah. yeah. So that'll end the episode for this week. And I guess we'll see you guys next week. Thank you again for listening to us. We really appreciate it. Bye.